depth. We have looked at patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now I want us to look at the last phrase of our text and then talk about how you and I can have a more fruitful life. And so our text is from Galatians chapter 5 from verse 22 to 23. And as we normally do, I'm going to ask you to stand with me so we can read the word together. Amen. Welcome to all our our viewers online on our Facebook platform. So good to have you. We also have a podcast that if you want to hear the message again and you don't have a Facebook account, you can, you can get the podcast. Christian is the one who started that, his own initiative. Um, we have some brilliant youngsters, right? So he, he, he does that and he sends it out so you can listen to the sermon every Sunday. Amen. Just stand to your feet with me and just lift your Bibles up. I have a very small one today. Um, but it's still a Bible, amen? It's better to have one. Hallelujah, amen. If, if it is yours, you left it at church, and um, it was in the cupboard, and I'm just using it, right? <laughs> so don't say, oh, you know, long, me look for my Bible, pastor have it. That's, that's not the case, hallelujah. So let me just explain that to you, amen. Say, this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be, and I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, my ears are opened, and I'm really, really not going to fall asleep. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. That really, really was really for someone. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's read together Galatians chapter 5. Let's use the overhead so we can all read the same version, the New American Standard Bible. It says, um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, the great God, the one who does miracles, that you'd open our eyes this morning to see your truth, open our ears to hear your voice, open our minds to understand your word and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. Bless this time, Lord God. Fill this house with your power and your presence and transform us so we can be more like you. That's the desire of our hearts. Let no one leave here unchanged by your glory. Lord God, we pray that someone this morning will come to know you as Lord and Savior. Someone who was backslidden will return to the Savior's arms. We pray, Lord God, that we will be more than mere hearers of your word, but do us also in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The last phrase um, really catches my attention. Against such things as there is no law. Uh, could you imagine a world where there is no law? If each and everything was legal, imagine, imagine that. No restrictions, no boundaries, no restraints. Imagine with me, 
You are living in a world where there are no restrictions, no boundaries, no restraints. Many people say, I'd love that. But when you think about what people could do to you, you'd hate it. You could drive up and down at any speed you want. And maybe that would be wonderful. No, that would be terrible. Some laws are for our protection. They are for our safety. Believe me, it's a good thing that there are speed limits. Because we would drive through communities at 100 miles an hour and kids are at play. So Paul, though, is not here saying that all things are lawful. In fact, we must take the phrase in the context in which it was intended. The phrase against such things, there is no law. So Paul puts it in a particular context. Paul is speaking in the context of against love, against joy, against peace, against patience, against kindness, against goodness, against faithfulness, against gentleness, against self-control. There is no law, there is no restrictions, there is no boundaries, there is no restraint. In other words, I can do as much of them as I please. No one has to pass a law saying that I can't do them. In fact, the more I do, the better for me and the better for you. That's what Paul is really saying. In, 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 in Corinthians 10, 23, he kind of he uh, put this in a little bit more context for us to better understand. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. So Paul is saying, though something may be legal, it does not bring profit to you, so you don't have to do it. It may be legal, but it's not going to edify you, so you don't need to do it. Though it is okay, there's no restriction. You can do it. Don't do it. Because it's not profitable, and it's not edifying. I like how the basic Bible in English puts it. It says, we are free to do all things, but there are things which it is not wise to do. Would you agree with me? There are certain things that are just not wise to do, though they are right to do. It's not wrong to do them. It's just not wise to do them. So you may wonder why church have so many restrictions and the things are not wrong. Because the Bible, have you ever had those conversations? The Bible didn't say it wrong. Paul is saying that even some rightful things are not wise things. So point at your neighbor and say to them, it's not everything you have to do, you know. It says, we are free to do all things, but not all things are for the common good. Meaning, it don't benefit everybody. So Paul went even further and said, listen, there are certain things, don't do it because it don't benefit everybody. Like gambling. For you to win gamble, in gambling, everybody else has to lose. So who benefits from gambling? The winner. 
And you always have more losers than winners. So why we don't get, why we don't buy the lotto? Why we don't buy cash pot on pick three? Because for us to win, everybody has to lose. So it is not for everybody's common good. The only way it would work is when you win the money, you find all the other people who buy and give it back to them. Then it would not make any sense to buy it. I'm, I'm sorry if you, if you buy cash pot and lots of pictures and those things. You're probably banking your ticket for Monday. But um, that's not how God wants you to be rich. God don't want you to be rich at the expense of everybody getting poor. Hallelujah. When it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, it is always wise to do them. And when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, it is always for the common good to be fruitful. In other words, don't hold back. Don't put the brakes on. Don't worry about being arrested and going to jail. Against such things, there is no law. You see, God wants us to have a productive life, right? In John 15 verse 8, Jesus says, My Father is glorified in this. So let me just pause right there and ask you, how many of you want to bring glory, I want to glorify God with your life. Just lift your hands. If, amen. All of us, I mean, all of us want to live lives that glorify God. No, he says, here is how my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. If you begin to bear fruit in your life, and many times people believe this, this is evangelical, meaning if I lead somebody to the Lord that is bearing fruit, when it speaks to bearing fruit, in this context, it's talking about you being a disciple of the Lord. And what a disciple does is follow the person. In other words, how do I follow Jesus? By living the way that Jesus lived. Jesus lived in love, in joy, in peace, in patience, in self-control. That's how I bear fruit. And that's how I act like a disciple of Jesus. So God wants us to bear fruit. Much fruit. According to this verse, he wants us to be productive and it is the fruit that proves we are disciples of Jesus. If you don't have this fruit, I don't, listen. If you don't have these fruits in your life, you're not like Jesus. It is the fruit that proves that you're like Jesus. And so we're going to do a series on the gifts of the spirit. Because some people measure People be like Jesus by the gifts. You see, the gifts can be false. But you can't have false joy. You can't have false peace. You can't have false love. But you can't be a false prophet. <laughs> and false teachers. A amen? But the fruit is never false. It may have some worm. But listen, you can't fool me. I know a mango different from a ripe banana. No matter how yellow that mango is, it can't look like banana. Can't fool me. Amen? So the fruit doesn't deceive. And that is why when we measure people's life, 
we measure it based on the fruit. So the question then arises, how can I have a more productive life? How can I produce more fruit of the Spirit in my life? I think there are several things we can do to have a more fruitful, productive life. And if, if you use the image of fruit tree, there are some things you can do. So I'm going to uh, give you four keys to having a spiritual, productive life. Number one, if we want to be fruitful, we must develop a strong root system. You have to have strong roots. Really strong roots. God says that without roots, there will be no fruit. Strong roots are developed by trusting in the Lord. A good example of this, right? Uh, years ago, uh, Carlesa got one of those miniature uh, plum trees for graduation. And it was in a very small pot. And every year, it would bear like three or four plums maximum for the June plum. All right, so recently, it was transplanted into a bigger bucket. And so it was able to now extend its roots, right? So it has gotten bigger because the root has gotten stronger. And the plum tree have more than 20 plums right now. Though the plum tree is still a miniature plum tree, because it has a big root now or a stronger root, more fruit is being produced. The stronger the root is the greater the fruit. Amen? We have to have a strong root system. And how do we develop this strong root system? By trusting in the Lord. Jeremiah 17 from verse 78 says this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose trust is in the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water. That extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. Why? Because the root is so strong that even when the heat comes, it knows it won't dry up. But its leaves will be what? Green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. So no matter what, because it has this strong root and it is planted beside the waters where it is being refreshed, it has no worry about drought because the root is able to sustain the leaves and the fruit. The root sustains the leaves and the root will always produce fruit even in drought. I'm talking about our spiritual lives. If you don't have strong root, your leaves are going to wither. In other words, your output is going to be bad. If you downgrowth is not deep, your upshoot is going to be poor. If you're not solid at the root level, then you're going to be weak at the fruit level. See, this passage gives us one reason why we need roots. We need roots to make it through tough times. Times of heat and times of drought. 
Roots are the lifeline of nourishment for the entire plant or tree. Now, we're talking about spiritual stuff, so you have to understand as I use the analogy what I mean. Have you ever felt the heat in life? Times when the pressure was on. That is when you need strong roots. And faith, belief, and trust in God helps us to develop a strong root system. You have to have faith in God. You have, to have, you have to believe in God. And you have to trust in God. Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. John 14 verse 1. So my question to you this morning is, do you put your trust in God? Do you put your trust in Jesus? He will help you develop a strong root system when you trust in him. We all need that because there are times in our lives when there's a drought, when hot winds blow. What do you, what do you do when those times come? Who are you trusting in? What does your root say about you in the heat? This, this, the COVID heat that is on us. The COVID that has caused drought in eras of our lives. What is your root saying? Or what is your fruit saying? What do you trust in when there's a drought and the heat comes? Is your trust in the Lord? Do you trust in his promises? Psalm 1, 1 to 3 tells us, How blessed is the man! Who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree, what? Firmly planted by streams of water. So he's not only planted in the ground, but he's planted in an ideal place. Listen, any good farmer will tell you that if I'm going to plant, I need to plant close to where rivers are. Because they know that the soil is rich and there's nourishment because a stream runs by. I want you to understand that so it applies in the spirit. We're going to see it. I don't want to get there yet, but we, I don't want to be ahead of myself, but we're going to get there. You have to also be careful where you plant. Because there are some places you can't get no big root, no, no strong root. Remember when my wife was farming and we were trying to plant at a particular place at the front of the yard. When we started digging, it was just stones. He will be like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves does not wither, and what and in whatever he does, he prospers. Why? Because he's firmly rooted. When you are firmly rooted by the waters of God, then you become prosperous. Trusting in God, learning God's word will help us develop a strong root system. You see, anyone can survive a day of drought, but surviving an extended time of stress is another matter. Uh, so Colossians 2, 67 tells us, As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted. Come on, tell any neighbor, be firmly rooted says, and now being built up in him and established in your faith. 
How do I do this, Pastor? I know you're there sitting saying, man, I want to be firmly rooted. I want to have a strong root system. Here's what you do. Spend time, spend daily time talking to Jesus. Or spend time daily talking to Jesus. Reading, meditating, memorizing, and obeying God's word. That's what the psalm says. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That's how you develop strong spiritual roots. Roots that go deep into the soil of God's word. These roots will enable you to withstand the heat and the droughts of life. Because they are coming. Are they are on us. What if there is no economic recovery until 2022? What are you going to do? Who are you going to trust in? What will your roots say? And what will your fruits show? Secondly, you need to, second thing you need to do to be productive is to eliminate as many problems as you can. Eliminate. Uh, if you're going to plant stuff, you know that you have to, you're going to have problems. And some of the problems is pests, bugs, and birds. Especially when you come on to fruits. Certain fruits, like birds love them. Like if you have one of those mango trees, like a Julie or an East Indian, and you see one on it, you almost have to keep your eye on it. Because bird don't come mango tree until mango turn. They're like, they always wait until mango turn. You know, they, birds are very tricky, you know. Because they want to eat the whole thing. So they know where you normally look. So they eat on the other side. <laughs> so when, when, you, when you climb up in the tree now, uh, because you're seeing, you're seeing wholeness on this side. <laughs> when you go up there and look, oh, the other side empty. <laughs> like... <laughs> But if, if, if the side that you're looking at is, is clean, the manga done. It means that the, the bird has already eaten off everything. Otherwise, there's a spit on one side. The side that you're not looking at and you don't realize until you actually pick the fruit that birds were eating it. Pests are dangerous, you know. Because pests get in it from the very beginning stages and you don't know. And they grow in it. And what happened is that when you realize is when them tired of what, you know, they, 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 they get cloy and they want to come out. They want different fruit now. That's when we realize that worm in mango, you know, and worm in stuff. When they are ready to come out, like, like we, don't, we can't bother with this anymore. You can't have it now. We're done with it. It's like they finish eating and they're giving it what left. Go on, go have that now. We need different stuff. Dangerous stuff. Some of the problems are weeds. Some of the problems are disease and poor soil. Do you remember the parable Jesus told over in Luke chapter 8? Luke chapter 8 from verse 5 to 8. I'll read it for you. You can read it when you go home. It says, The sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed. Some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot. Yeah, poor soil. Where it fell? On the road, or beside the road. And it was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air ate it up. Others 
other seed fell on rocky soil. And as soon as it grew up, it withered away. Never had the kind of root system to sustain it. Because it had no moisture. Other seeds fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seeds fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. See, what this message tells me is that there are all kinds of problems out there if you're planning to be fruitful for the Lord. You have some birds that you have to deal with. You have some people who want to trample you down. You understand me? You have, yeah, yeah, you, you, in some places, we cause you to dry up. You have people growing up beside you who oppose you, who are trying to choke you out. There are all different kind of things in life that we have to deal with when we begin. Listen, I've heard people say, me never start up problems until me turn Christian. I'm telling you, me, me out here and nobody never want to cuss me until me turn Christian. Nobody never want, when people borrow me money, them know so they have to give me back because me turn Christian. Nobody not give me back my money when they borrow it. And like, like, People often tell say that the day I turn Christian, it's like everything gets worse. Everything just come down on me. We need to do the best we can to eliminate the problems. It is going to be hard work. So let me ask you a question. How much effort does it take to grow weeds? What do you have to do to cultivate weeds? Have you ever thought about that? Nothing. They grow very well on their own. That is why they are called weeds. You ever wonder why your tomato takes so long to produce one tomato and bush grow up in the same place? <laughs> Weed don't need help. Yet, listen. If you don't water weed, it still grow. Try not to water your plant. It dies. See, you don't have to do nothing to the weed, but you have to nurse your tomato tree. But you don't have to do anything to grow weeds. They will grow and grow rapidly. With no help from you or anyone else. But weeds are only one of the problems. They are bugs. They are birds. There is poor soil. Lots of problems out there. So it is a challenge to be fruitful. It is never easy to eliminate all the problems. But if we neglect them, they won't go away. And too often what we do, we neglect problems thinking like they're going to disappear. We're, we're, we're turning a corner right now. It will disappear. It will miraculously go away. Uh, we are, we, we, we are, uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll have the vaccine. It's going away. We're turning a corner. <laughs> we're turning a corner right now. Turning a corner. A couple of weeks. It will go away in Easter. It will go away in the summer. Uh, it will go away by the election. Give us until Christmas. It will go away. Thanksgiving is going to go away. Listen, problems don't disappear. You have to deal with them. When we neglect Bible reading, when we neglect 
prior, when we neglect fellowship with other Christians, weeds will grow up and choke our spiritual lives, preventing us from bearing fruit. You can't neglect reading your Bible. You can't neglect praying. You can't neglect fellowship because what you're doing when you do that is allowing weeds to grow up, to choke out your spiritual life, preventing you from bearing fruit. Jesus knows it is hard work. In fact, it will be a lifelong process. It means that to produce joy and peace and love and patience and long-suffering and self-control, all these things, it's a lifelong process. So don't be so hard on people. I know you expect all of us to be loving to the max right now and to be joyful to the max right now, but it's a lifelong process. And if we complete it before you, God is going to remove us from around you. Let me say it again. If I maximize all the fruit of the Spirit, God will move me from around you. Why? Because it's not healthy for you, for me, having perfected those things to be around you. You know why? Because I'm going to see all the imperfections in you. And you're going to feel bad because you will not be able to find any in me. So the reason why we are still here is because we are all work in progress. It's a lifelong process of getting these fruit operating in our life to the degree that God wants them to. Amen? So Jesus said in Luke uh, 9 uh, verse 62, No one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. It's a lifelong process. You don't put your hand to the plow and look back and say, boy, I can't bother with this. I'm going to give up. Number three, if we are going to be fruitful Christians, we must prepare for God's pruning in our lives. Come on, tell anybody you need some pruning. The Bible is so real. The Bible is, the Bible is so real. The Bible is so real. Like, like when the Bible says cut it off, like people really don't believe that it means cut it off. But the Bible, is so re- the Bible is so real. Because the Bible speaks about pruning. And pruning is actually cutting off stuff. Any, anybody, anybody here does farming and you understand what I'm talking about? That, that when you prune, you actually get um, the scissors looking thing. Share. The scissors looking thing. And you cut stuff. Share, share use electricity, right? The scissors looking thing. Scissors, right? Is a sycamore? It's a sycator. Like that. Sycator. <laughs> it's a it's a sycator. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. So you get your sycator and you prune away. Amen. Amen. Come on, come on. Tell the person beside you. You need a sycator. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We need some pruning. Hallelujah. Uh, Jesus says in, in, in John 15, verse 1 to 2, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. It says, I want you to read this. Look at it in your Bible. I, I kid you not, it's right in there. It says, every branch in me, that's very important. Because first, he's saying that this, this is not like a sinful branch. This is a branch that is in me. That, that's, that's, that's important to understand. So he's talking about people who are in him. He says, every branch that is in me. Then he says, that does not bear fruit. Can you imagine that? 
I've seen this in real life. The worst thing on a tree is a dead branch. Take a look at a breadfruit tree. They always have dead branches. Somebody said, Aki, you have never seen a breadfruit on a dead branch. In fact, it, after a while, it falls off. But you know what? It's in the breadfruit tree. And there's a branch right beside it that has made a breadfruit. Am I being real? It means then that there can be a branch in Christ that not bearing fruit. And there's one right beside it that's bearing fruit. Says, does not bear fruit. He says, he takes away. But, but here's what struck me. So, the one that don't bear fruit is taken away. But the one that is bearing, that he says, and every branch that bears fruit, is it what we're supposed to do? Bear fruit. Here's what he does to the one. If, if you're bearing fruit, here's what God wants to do to you. He wants to prune you. Why? Because he wants it to do what? Bear more fruit. So when I said that we need pruning, you think I was joking? Because you are probably saying, well, but I'm doing what God says. But God wants you to do more of what he says. So he says, listen, for you to do more, I have to prune you some more. It means that pruning involves cutting off the dead branches and cutting back the living branches. You cut off one and you cut back one. And we have done that. You have a plant and... After a while, you nip it a little bit and stuff and you sh- because you understand that you want to contain it. You want to just keep it in a certain area. Y- you know what I mean? You want to cut it so it can grow in the direction of the sun so it will be better off. So you deal with farming. Professional pruners will tell you that most people are too timid when it comes to pruning. They don't want to cut off certain things because they must say, but this have a cherry on it, you know. But sometimes you have cut off the one because, like, this have, a, what, this have a bunch on it. You have cut off that bunch because, you know, when you cut off that bunch, you're going to get the next ten bunch based on how you cut it. I, I, I will be getting, I will be getting this because this is, this is so deep. Because, listen, the problem we have is not the bad thing getting off. It is when the good things need to be pruned. That is the problem. It is when the good thing needs to be pruned that we have the problem. We all agree that if it is bad, cut it off. But if it is good, well, we can't keep it. Amen? But when it comes to pruning, when in doubt, take it out. Come on, tell a neighbor. When in doubt, take it out. See, I used to think that pruning was going in and gently cutting off the little dead pieces. That is not so. Some of the healthy stuff might get pruned too. So here's my point. Most of us think that when God prunes us, he cuts off the sinful and the superficial parts of our lives. He does that. But he also cuts off stuff that we consider alive and successful. Some of that may be walked off for greater fruitfulness. And we must be willing 
If you're a Christian, you're going to be pruned. You can count on it. it. Says every branch in me. You may be going through pruning right now. And it may not all be dead wood. God cuts off branches that we feel are productive so that more fruit may be produced. And that may be confusing. But remember that God is more concerned with your holiness than he is with your happiness. He's more concerned with your character than he is with your comfort. So sometimes God will remove your comfort to bring you greater comfort. Amen? Sometimes God will remove something that makes you happy so he can make you holy. We do it to our homes. Sometimes you have something working, but you want to give the house a fresh look. Out with the old, in with the new. And they ask you, well, what's wrong with it? I just needed to upgrade. What if God wants to upgrade you? I mean, you upgrade your phone. God wants to upgrade your life. So the question then, well, I'm very sure that God not using no scissors. No sycamore. So how does God prune us? <laughs> how does God prune us? Let me tell you how God prune us. He uses problems, pressures, and people. The, tr- the three Ps. So right now, you have some people, they put pressure on you, and they cause you problems. They are called pruners. God has just positioned them in your life to prune you so you can be more fruitful. So you need to pray for them. God, I thank you for my pruners in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, God, I thank you that you have brought them in my life to prune me so that I can be more fruitful. I know sometimes you don't want to like them, but you see what the plan feel. When the plan see you coming with that big scissors, you understand? Leaves start shake. <laughs> hey, boy, don't want to come over this side. You, know? you understand me? <laughs> you know, some of are very extra. You go there with it. You, know, bam, bam, bam. you can imagine the plant hearing that. We never consider the plant feeling, but we want people to consider ours. uses people. That is why people will criticize you and challenge you. They will question and doubt you. They will challenge your motives. And this is all a part of the process. God is using them to prune you. He will and he does use them as part of our pruning process to make us even more fruitful. So the question then is, but why would God do this? And God know that we can't stand them already. <laughs> Hebrews 12 verse 11 says this. All discipline, and I want you to remember this scripture. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. But, he says, yet to those who have been trained by it. Say with me afterwards. 
it says, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. God does this to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. It means that discipline and pruning are unpleasant. But you have to look at the final outcome to see the reward. There is a great reward at the end. Pruning is never fun and it is not pretty. But it is for our future benefit. You see the purpose of pruning is positive. It is not because God is mad at you. God is not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. And so the scripture says in in Romans 8 verse 1, there is no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God does not punish his true children. Let me tell you again. Let me say it again. God does not punish his true children. Your punishment was taken care of on the cross. God's pruning is for your very best, for your greater fruitfulness in your life, for greater fruitfulness in your life. In other words, punishment. There is no reward for punishment. There's a reward for discipline. So we don't punish kids. We discipline them. Punishment has no reward. Discipline has. So God doesn't punish you because the punishment would have been death. But Jesus Christ died. So there is no more punishment for his children. There is discipline though. And that discipline comes with great reward. Therefore the Bible tells us rejoice always. You're being pruned by God. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Pruning comes in order that we may be more productive. Finally, if we want our lives to be fruitful, we must wait for the harvest. You have to wait for the harvest. My son accidentally picked one of the plums off the tree. And it wasn't ready. You can't eat it. And I, I used to have this problem with the mango tree, right? Because there's this competition between me and the bird. So I try to get them, you know. And then you have other people. You understand me? You have other people, you know. Where <laughs> I look at it. You understand me? So you have to make... These times when you have fruit tree here, then you have to be very vigilant, you know. Because you, know, <laughs> you sweep up the leaf, but I just want to eat the <laughs> fruit. But... So what would happen is that I would, I would sometimes go and pick the mangoes and put them up to ripe. But them ripe kind of funny, you know, them ripe like, <laughs> like wizard, like when they ripe. It means that they were not ready. They look ready, but they're not ready. You have to wait on the harvest. You understand me? You can't read the mango tree before time. You have to. You have to wait on the harvest. So it is. When it comes out to your Christian life, you have to wait on the harvest. You can't, you, can't, you can't fight it. You can't force it. Because growth takes time. It is not instantaneous. It takes time. Growth takes time. So that is why we must be patient with one another. Because growth takes time. We give up on people long before God even thinks about God doesn't even think about it, but we give up on people so quickly. Listen, some of us have given up on people after five years. And God has been waiting on us for 30. We give up on people after 10 years, and God has been waiting on us for a hundred. We give up on people too easily. God 
takes two days to make mushrooms. Two days it takes, they say, to make mushrooms. But it takes 60 years to make an oak tree. So let me ask you. Do you want to be a mushroom or an oak tree? If you want to be a mushroom, put up your hand. Nobody wants to be, nobody wants to be that guy. <laughs> Everybody wants to be oak trees. <laughs> How long does it take for an oak tree to be fully mature? 60 years. Growth takes time. When you examine your spiritual growth, you may wonder, why is it taking so long to get better? I am struggling with, my, with, with many weaknesses. Why? Because spiritual growth, like natural growth, takes time. The fruit ripens slowly. Listen, I, 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 listen. fast growth surprises people. One of the things that shock you is when people grow fast. Like, have you, have, have you ever seen, like, like uh, Casey's a good example, right? Since Casey passed for high school, whoop, she just grew fast. <laughs> like, she was just this little solid kid. And then Pepperizal came out, and she get past high school, whoop. Like, and everybody said, you have grown so fast. It is surprising. Like people look at Gabby. And they come back and say, Well, a Gabby. A, is this Gabby? Because, because people expect growth to take time. Imagine if you were like this at five years old. Imagine you were growing rapidly and how you are now was how you were at five. You look awkward. You can imagine going to school looking the, like the prep school looking the way you look right now. The system needs time to prepare for your growth. We need to understand that. Growth takes time. So don't be so hard on people. Amen? Let me read the scripture as we come to an end. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8. It says, there is an appointed time for everything. There is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill. And a time to heal. A time to tear down. And a time to build up. A time to weep. A time to laugh. A time to mourn. A time to dance. A time to throw stones. And a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search. And a time to give up as loss. A time to keep. And a time to throw away. A time to tear apart. And a time to sew together. A time to be silent. And a time to speak. 
A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. The point is, everything takes time. Never give up. Never give up on yourself. Never give up on people. Wait for God's promised harvest. And in in the meantime, enjoy his presence in your life. Listen, God is pleased with you at every stage of your spiritual growth. He's not waiting until you're perfect to begin loving you. He will never love you any more than he already does. So the four activities in the sermon are practical steps. We need to take if we are serious about fruitful, productive Christian life. Begin by developing a strong root system. Eliminate as many problems as you can. Prepare for pruning. Wait for the harvest. God is working to make you more fruitful than you ever thought possible. Amen? In 1968, a scientist discovered a 600-year-old seed necklace in an Indian grave. He planted one of the seed, and it sprouted and grew. Although the seed had been dormant for 600 years, it still had the potential for life. Maybe you have been a Christian for years and have been spiritually dormant for most of that time. But now you would like to be productive. You desire to be fruitful. I have good news for you. It's not too late. You can begin right now. God will provide the power to change your life. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray above all things this morning that we would be rooted and grounded. That we be like trees planted by the rivers of waters that bring forth fruit. Where where you're planted is important and your root system is important. How do I get deeply rooted? By trusting in God, reading his word, meditating on his word, worshiping him. This is, a, this is a daily activity. If you know anything about farming, there are people who live on their farms. Why? Because they know that I have to water the stuff, I have to check for weed, I have to spray insecticide and pesticide to keep away certain stuff. I just have to be there. You have to pay attention to this plan called your life every day. What are the things that we use? Can you imagine a farmer doesn't weed his crop or his plants for a week 
the amount of weeds that grow up. When you don't pay attention to your spiritual life, weeds grow up. Pests and bugs and birds. It's trampled on. You have to protect it. You know, if you have other pets at your yard and you plant certain stuff, you put barriers around it. You have to protect it. Because you don't want them to walk in and trample it, trample the stuff in its early stages. You have certain birds that will come and pick up the soil and pick up the seed that is planted. You have to pay attention to your spiritual life every single day. So when we come to church and we say, read your Bible and pray, read your Bible, pray every day. We're not saying it because we want it to be religious. We understand that this is part of the process of developing strong root system. And many of us are not producing fruit because we don't have strong roots. And it's not that hard for us to read the Bible, for us to pray daily. So that's my desire this morning. That we trusted God and developed strong roots. And so Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a new desire this morning. As we come to the conclusion of this series of teaching, we pray for a new desire. A new desire for your word. That we will read your word, meditate on your word, and obey your word. Give us a new desire for praying. That daily we will spend time praying and worshiping you. May we, like the psalmist says, meditate on your word day and night. Like Jeremiah says, may we trust in you. Trust in you, Lord God. Place our confidence in you. When the, when the, 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 the hot winds pass and the droughts come in life, may our faith and our belief and our trust be anchored in your great power and in your great name. So Lord, may we be ready for your pruning. We know you discipline us because you love us. And so when people and pressure and problems come to prune, to cut away some stuff, good stuff, it is so that we will be more fruitful. And may we be ready for the process. May we be patient. We want to be oak trees, not mushrooms, Lord. So we know this is a lifelong process. We, we, we don't believe that we can read our Bible today and we become spiritually mature tomorrow. We don't believe that we can read Bible for 10 days when the children of Israel walked for 40 years and they never got it. This entire generation didn't get it after 40 years and we want to get it after 5 and after 10. May we trust you, Lord God, knowing that there's a time for everything. We need not give up on us. For you won't give up on us. We need not give up on others. For you won't give up on them. And so we bless you. We thank you. And we honor you this morning. In Jesus name. Amen. 
and amen. Hallelujah. Come on, just clap your hands for Jesus this morning. Amen. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. Produce good fruit. Amen. That's how you bring glory to God and how you be his disciple by being fruitful. Learn to love and joy and peace. Walk in righteousness. Self-control. The scripture says against these things there is no law. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the day. See the married persons six today and then the rest of you and then all of us on Wednesday for Bible study. God bless you.